Good morning, and a warm welcome to the service this morning. Those who are visiting, we've got one or two, uh, it's good to see you. So let's begin this time of worship. Let's uh, unite our hearts together in prayer. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that at the, the beginning of a new week and at the beginning of a new year, we can come together in the name of Jesus, your Son, our Saviour. We thank you that we can, with freedom and with hopefully desire in our hearts, unite our voices together to praise your name and to, to say uh, to you and to each other how excellent in all the earth is the, the name of the Lord. And we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are the God who has not hidden yourself from us, but you're the God who has revealed yourself to us. And we thank you that as we look around and as we see the creation, uh, the, the majesty of the, the landscapes that we are surrounded by, and as we see uh, the, the life in creation, in the animal kingdom, and in each other, we thank you that all that speaks to us about the fact that you are a God who is majestic, who is creative, a God who is glorious. And we recognize, we, we proclaim that you are the one true God. All other so-called gods are idols. They are nothings. But we bow before the one true God who has made us and who sustains us and who has made us to have a thirst in our hearts for you, for that relationship with you. We recognize that the sin that's in us holds us back. The sin that is in us is a barrier between man and God. But we thank you that Jesus, your son, was promised and he came and he lived and he died and he rose from the dead so that it was possible for sinners like us to be sought and saved. We thank you that in Christ, the curse of sin has been lifted. We thank you that in Christ, the fellowship that was broken in the fall in the Garden of Eden has been restored. And we thank you that in Christ, there is grace, there is the offer of salvation, eternal life, and a satisfaction of life in time that we can find in no other place. So we pray that this morning, as we gather together, that you would meet with us. We pray, Lord, that we would see more and more of your glory. We pray that we would hear with great clarity the, the call of God to, to come to Jesus and be saved. And we pray that we would come, those in the building, those who may listen at a distance. We ask, Lord, that you would be speaking to us, that you would be striving with us in the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray that you would show us our sin in a measure that we can bear and enable us to confess our sin, give to us that, that gift of repentance. And we pray that we would know that cleansing from sin that comes through the blood of Jesus. We pray that we would know that peace with God that is not of this world. We pray that in a new year you would give to us that clear purpose that we are in this place to, to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So be amongst us, Lord, we pray, as we seek to worship you. 
Uh, bless us, we pray, as we come uh, seeking your face and do our souls good, we ask. We pray for those who are not with us, those who are struggling uh, particularly. Uh, we think of those who are grieving. Uh, we think about Rachel McSween and Donalda McLeod, both having lost siblings in, in past days. And we ask, Lord, that you would comfort them and that you would give them strength for the days ahead. And all those who feel the, the pangs of grief for loved ones lost in past weeks and months and years, we bring them to you, Lord, and we ask that you would show to them your compassion and give to them your peace and remind each of us, we pray, of the hope of the gospel. For all who are in Christ, we thank you that there is resurrection life. We pray for those who are sick, too many even for us to mention at this time, but we think of them, our minds uh, go to them. We pray especially for Marlene at this time as she uh, struggles with uh, her illness. And as we uh, see that, the, the, the acceleration of that, we pray, Lord, that you would minister to her, that she would know your constant presence, that she would know that you are God and that you are with her. And we pray for Kirsty and for John and for all of the family, that you would bless them. We thank you that uh, you are the God who is, who is with us and your grace is sufficient to take us through life, the days that you have numbered for us, and through death into life that's everlasting. We thank you that that is the hope of the gospel. And we pray that each one of us would take hold of it. We pray on for those who battle uh, with addictions. As we think about road to recovery, uh, do a work, Lord, we pray, uh, amongst that small group. And we confess that all of us battle with addictions because the root cause uh, in our heart that, that affects every one of us is sin. So, Lord, we pray that you would help us as we pray that you would help those who struggle with addictions. And we pray on for the children as we've mentioned them. We ask, Lord, that you would draw them all to your house. We remember the words of Jesus uh, to the disciples, saying, let the little children come to me, don't hinder them. And we pray that we, as uh, your people in this place, would give every encouragement to these wee ones to come to Jesus. Whether babies uh, in the little fishes on Tuesday or the younger ones and jam and connect and rooted, draw them to yourself, Lord, we pray. So hear our prayers, minister to us in our need. Be at work, Lord, in this place, in this nation that is so uh, much astray from you. And in your world, we pray uh, that we would see more and more people coming to Jesus. And we thank you that we have that promise, that one day soon, the same Jesus who came to seek and to save uh, will return and take all those who have trusted him to be with them forever. We know that on that day, it will be too late to come to Jesus. So we ask, Lord, that all of us, whilst there is time, that we would come and that we would know that salvation. So hear our prayers. Go before us, we ask. We pray this in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake. Amen. So let's pray that God will help us to do that. Lord God, we thank you for today, and we thank you for, we thank you for the greatest gift ever, and that's the gift of Jesus. Father, you sent your Son to save us from our sin. 
And we pray that none of us would be, would be ignoring Jesus. We pray that none of us would be refusing to accept Jesus into our hearts. But we pray that every one of us would be believing and asking Jesus to be our Savior and to be our Lord. Help us, Lord, we pray, to trust you. We thank you for the gift of the Bible, that we can open the Bible and hear you speak to us and know what you are saying to us each day of our lives. We thank you for the gift of prayer where we can speak to you and pour out our hearts to you, tell you when we're worried and tell you when we're anxious and tell you when uh, we're needing help. We thank you that you hear our prayers and you answer our prayers. We thank you for the gifts that you've given to the children. We thank you for their voices and for the way that they're so often much braver than us big people are at telling others about Jesus. Help them to use their voices to, to tell their friends about Jesus. We thank you for the smiles that you give them. And we ask that you would help them and help us to, to be warm, to be loving to each other so that we will encourage each other. We thank you for the skills that you give us, whether it's to read or whether it's to make films or whether it's to play football or, or whatever it is. We ask, Lord, that whatever we do, we would do it in a way that makes you happy and helps others to see that you are living in our lives and our hearts. So be with us, we pray. Help us to do all things for your glory, to lift up Jesus. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to read now from God's Word, and we'll read from Matthew chapter 2, and we'll read verses 1 to verse 12. You might wonder what we're doing reading this after Christmas, but uh, as you can see in the beginning of the, the reading, uh, the events that we're reading about uh, here in this passage, uh, they happened, they reckon they happened about two years after Jesus was born. And so we're looking at the, the visit of the, the Magi to the place where Jesus was. Matthew chapter 2 and at verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and pres presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Amen. And may God bless that reading 
of his word to us. If you could turn, please, now to the passage that we read, Matthew chapter 2, and let's pray as we prepare to, to study it. Heavenly Father, we thank you once more for your word, and we pray for the help of the Holy Spirit, uh, the illumination that comes through uh, his work in our lives, in our minds, in our hearts. So be close to us, we pray. Bring your word to us in, in power. Help us to recognize your voice, uh, that this is not the, the word of a man, but the word of God that comes through the verses of Scripture. And we pray, Lord, that you would be uh, moving not just here, but in other places as well. We pray for Gordon as he prepares to preach in Leverborough and Stuart as he prepares to preach in Scalpy. We ask, Lord, that you would use them as they open your word and that in all these services, Christ would be lifted up and many would be drawn to him. We pray for Ian Murdo in the Church of Scotland. We thank you for his recovery. We ask that you would continue to increase his strength. And we pray for Bruce Jordan as well in the Free Presbyterian Church. And we ask, Lord, that you would be ministering, that you would be working in all of these places and uh, all the places in the surrounding areas in the island and across the nation and across all nations, wherever the word of God is, is opened, wherever Christ crucified is preached, we pray, Lord, that you would be working in a way that brings glory to your name and salvation uh, to the souls of people. So hear our prayers and help us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. At the beginning of a new year, and uh, it's still quite close to the beginning of a new year, we tend to get visitors. When the clock strikes 12 uh, on the end of the last year, in the beginning of the new year, it used to be that there would be a stream of visitors uh, all through the night into the early hours of the morning. I don't think that happens uh, quite so much anymore. But in the first few weeks of the new year, uh, we do tend to make visits to people uh, that, we, that we care for, that we, that we want to spend time with. Uh, we're knocking at their doors and we're hearing people knocking at our doors, wishing us a happy new year. And Matthew chapter 2, it begins with a, a knock on the door uh, and it's in Jerusalem. It begins with some unexpected visitors. And that's the first point for today, uh, unexpected visitors. And you can see that in verses 1 and verse 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, uh, wise men from the east, came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. These are unexpected visitors who are knocking on the door in Jerusalem. And their desire, their expression is that they want to worship Jesus. And sometimes it's the people that you least expect that are the first to come and worship Jesus. I can think of that even in terms of experience in ministry, although my ministry has been fairly short. I, I remember the first time we ran Christianity Explored in, in Loch Caron, and it was a fairly new video and course. So lots of invitations went out, and uh, they were posted through the doors of, of houses, and uh, we spoke to people uh, that we knew and encouraged them to come along and, and, and attend Christianity Explored. Uh, lots of invitations went out, 
But I'll never forget the first person to walk in the door of the church was a man called Bob Monroe. Uh, he's no longer he's no longer with us. He died a few years back. Um, but he was a he was a fencer. He's a big burly character. He was the coach of the Shinty team. He was known to be a hard, hard man. You wouldn't cross him. But he was a, a hard man who had a soft heart. And unbeknown to everyone else in the place, for a long time, he was being drawn to Jesus. He didn't speak to anybody about it. He didn't tell anybody that. But he was digging out wee tracts. He'd find an old Bible. And he was in it because he was, he was seeking Jesus because Jesus was seeking him. And very quickly, Bob Monroe, uh, he came to trust and to worship Jesus. He was the last man that anybody expected to walk in the door. But he walked in the door. He kept on walking in the door. And very quickly, he bowed his knee and he worshipped Jesus. And, and that was the situation in Matthew 2. Uh, these are unexpected visitors who came to, to worship Jesus. Uh, Magi from the East. We don't know a whole lot about these Magi. Uh, the commentators think uh, they, they likely were from Persia, uh, which is modern-day Iraq. It's possible uh, they might have been from Babylon. Remember the wise men in the story of, Babylon, uh, the story of, of Daniel who tried to interpret the dreams, but they couldn't. So there was wise men in that location. Uh, some of the commentators think they could have come from as far away as China. Truth is, we don't really know. They were from the, the Far East. And so these, these wise men, these magi, uh, they would have no real knowledge of the Bible. They had no Bible background. And yet they're the ones who are seeking Jesus. They're the ones who are looking for Jesus. There are biblical scholars in Jerusalem who've devoted their whole lives to an academic study of the Old Testament text. And they're not looking for Jesus. But these far eastern magi, they're knocking at the door. They're saying, we've come. Where will we find uh, the one who's been born king of the Jews? We've come to worship him. Wearsby, the commentator, says, uh, we must confess that we know little about these men. The word translated magi, wise men, refers to a group of scholars who studied the stars. They were astrologers. Their title connects them with magic, a sinister thing. But they were probably more like astrologers, says Wearsby. But the point I want to take from that is that uh, these are not the kind of people we expect to be looking for Jesus. Stargazers. Folks are dabbling with dark magic, and yet God is seeking them, and they're being drawn to Jesus, and they've spent considerable time traveling. Uh, they'd studied, they'd journeyed, they were looking for Jesus. Unexpected visitors. J.C. Ryle says the Lord Jesus has many hidden ones, like these wise men. And that should encourage us, it should challenge us, actually, if we're believers if we're Christians that should challenge us it should encourage us it should embolden us because the the truth that comes from this in terms of application is there are hidden people everywhere and God is working in their hearts there are 
people who we may expect there's nothing happening spiritually, and yet God is doing a work in their hearts that are hidden people in Harris, even though we might not yet see it. So pray for the unexpected ones. Take a moment. Think about some of the people that you're in contact with. And they're the last people that you think would ever have any interest in Jesus. Think about them. Picture them. Get them in your your minds. Put a name to them and pray for them. You might see barriers. They might be mixed up in a whole lot of things, dark things like these magi likely were. But God often is seeking the ones that we least expect. Remember what Jesus said in in John chapter 10 and, and verse 16. He said to the disciples, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. And if you're a believer, if you're a Christian here today, then your commission and mine is to to reach out to these other sheep. Pray for, reach out to the unexpected ones, because they may very well be searching for Jesus. You know, even when I think back over, is it eight years? This is year eight now, is it here? Some of the people that I met very early on who I thought were so close to coming to faith, who had such a good Bible knowledge, are not an inch further forward today. The ones who've come to faith are the ones I least expected. (coughs) And often who knew least in terms of Bible and religion. Unexpected visitors knocking at the door, seeking Jesus. The second point is an unidentified star. Because what the Magi say when they knock on the door in Jerusalem is we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. And so already we've noted the fact that the Magi, they were, they were experts. They were experts in astrology. They were also uh, those who were experts in, in philosophy. Ancient times, uh, in, well, at that time, uh, philosophy and astrology were, were disciplines that went together. And so these Magi, they were experts in the stars and in philosophy. They, they had big questions. They thought deeply about life. And I suppose, you know, the stars, they have that effect on us. When we look up to the stars on a clear night, when we see the vastness of the cosmos, when we just see these, these millions of stars uh, sparkling in the sky, when we see the glory of the heavenly frame, as we sang in in Psalm 8, when we see these things, we tend to think seriously about, about deeper things. We start to think about who's behind the stars, how they got there, what's going on, how small I am, how big this is. The stars instill within us a sense of awe, and they provoke within us questions of who's behind the stars. You know, looking down at our phones tends to distract us from God. But looking up to the stars, lifting our eyes to the hills as we sang, looking at the glory and the power and the intricacy of creation causes us uh, to look to God. And these magi back at that time, they, these astrologers, they, they spotted a star in the sky that they were so familiar with. And this was an out-of-the-ordinary star. They couldn't identify it. It puzzled them. They couldn't explain it. And this particular star caused them to to ask questions. And it set them off on a journey that would ultimately lead them to Jesus. One commentator said the entire universe 
is at God's disposal in sharing the gospel. Spurgeon uh, came across a, a, a reading this morning. Uh, Spurgeon said, A star is sent on behalf of all the stars, as if it were the envoy of all worlds to represent them before their king. This star was put into commission to await the Lord, to be his herald to men far away, and to usher and to be God's usher to conduct these wise men into Christ's presence. So there's this unidentified star that causes the wise men, the magi, to ask questions, to set off on a journey that, that leads them to Jesus. And I think there's a lesson there for us, just as we, as we think about the application of that. Sometimes in our experience, in, in providence, in the way that God orders our, our lives, uh, there are things that happen, and we didn't see them coming. Just like these wise men didn't see the star coming. We can't identify uh, the purpose uh, behind them. We can't explain them. Like these magi looking up at the sky, and they can't explain the star. There are things that, that come into our lives, come into our vision, and, and we can't explain them. We can't identify the purpose behind them. It can be a medical diagnosis that crashes into our world and it changes everything in a second. It can be a death or it can be a birth. It can be a new friendship or it can be a broken relationship. You know, it's not just the stars that God uses, but it can be strange and impossible to explain situations that God allows to come into our lives and they cause us to look to God. They cause us to look for God. You know, the creation itself, including the stars and providence, the, the way God allows our lives to be ordered, these things can be used to lead us to Jesus. These things could be, can be used to, to lead us into worship of Jesus. Reading this morning in my uh, reading notes, some of you probably use the same ones, about, about Naaman, the commander. And uh, Naaman is a powerful man who is well respected and he has great status and gravitas in his world. Uh, but medically, he's, he's afflicted with leprosy. There's no cure. His life is virtually over. And there's a wee girl, like the wee ones that sit down beside me here, uh, who's been taken from her parents and captured and trafficked into Syria. And she sees that her, her master uh, is sick. And she just says a wee word that points the master, Naaman, to the God that the prophet would speak of. And through that situation, is led to the Lord. Strange providences, difficult, hard to fathom things, the illness that Naaman suffers, uh, the captivity this wee girl is in, and yet God is in it. He can take what the devil designs for evil even and turn it around and use it for good, for salvation, for glory. So unexpected visitors come looking for Jesus. They're following an unidentified star. And the third thing that we see here is uh, the response of Herod, because as far as Herod is concerned, this, this child, this one that's been born, uh, is an unwelcome king. Think about it again, just the, the, the situation that they were in back in that day. These, these wise men, these magi, they come into Jerusalem. Now, we have in our mind's eye three of them, but the Bible doesn't say that there were three of them. 
some of the scholars think there might have been 14. Some of the scholars think there might have been an entourage of even up to 100 or 200. We're, we're not sure, but uh, even when two or three people come into a community, we, we notice. You know, we're curious. There's new faces. There's there's people that we don't recognize, uh, and they're now, they're now in this place. And, and these magi from the east, people noticed when they arrived in Jerusalem. Likely they looked different to the people of, of Jerusalem. Their, their dress would have been different. And when they, they come and they start asking questions about the one who has been born king of the Jews, and you can imagine how the rumors began and traveled at pace around Jerusalem. And, and, and Herod very quickly gets to hear about these characters that have just come into Jerusalem and about the questions they're asking. And he doesn't like the sound of this because he's the king. So Herod calls for them. Verse 3, when Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. And so what we see here is that Jesus causes a disturbance. And that was true back then. And that's still true today. Jesus causes a disturbance. Jesus is king. Jesus is king of kings and lord of lords. He is the ultimate ruler. He is the one who stands in, in ultimate authority over our lives. So when we begin to see him and hear about him, and if we're understanding properly, we, we should be disturbed. And Herod is disturbed. He doesn't like the sound of this because he wants to be king. And the objection that Herod had is a, an objection that's, that's held still today by many. There are many, many people uh, who would be very quick to say, I like the sound of Jesus the Savior. I like the sound of, of somebody who can cleanse me from sin and take away all the bad things I've done. I like the sound of, of somebody who can give me the, the assurance that when I die, I've got a ticket that takes me into heaven. That kind of Jesus I want, but I don't want a Lord. I don't want a king ruling over my life. You know, the spirit of Herod is still very much present and active, even in this room today. Herod says, I don't want a king. I want to be king. I don't want somebody coming in and telling me what I can and can't do. I don't want to bow. I want to be the master of my life. I want to govern how I will use my time. I want to decide how far I will use my talents. I want to decide how to use my money. I don't want anyone telling me what to do. That's the spirit of Herod. Verse 4, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. And there's a quote from Micah 5. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. So Herod goes to the, the scholars, the biblical scholars, and he says, tell me about the place where this king of the Jews is to be born. He's directed uh, back to, to Micah, and uh, they're given the coordinates of where to find the child. Not Jerusalem, but Bethlehem. And you know, if we hit pause just at this point for a moment, um, there's both instruction here that we can take on board and there's tragedy in these verses. You know, there's instruction about how we will find Jesus. 
How did the Magi know where to find Jesus? Well, it was through God's word. They come asking questions. Micah 5 is opened and they're led to the place where they'll find Jesus. And, and, And the same principle still applies. If we want to see Jesus, we don't need to go and climb some far eastern mountain. We don't need to look in at some crystal stones. We don't need to do some kind of new agey hocus pocus. If we want to to see Jesus, if we want to come to know Jesus, yes, there are signposts in the stars and we can be uh, prompted along the way in terms of of providence, the way our lives are, are ordered. But if we want to really see and hear and meet with Jesus, we need the word of God. It's in the word of God. It's in the Bible that we see Jesus and we hear Jesus And we meet with Jesus. So there's instruction here for us. For anybody who's searching. For anybody perhaps today uh, who is a Christian. But you're far from God. You're wondering how do I get back to Jesus? Bible. For somebody who's backslidden. Who's trying to figure out where am I and how do I get back to where I should be. The the likelihood is for some weeks or months your Bible is being closed. We need to open the Bible to get the instruction that we need to come back to Christ. So there's instruction in this section, but there's also tragedy here. uh, Because the tragedy that we see in these verses is that it's possible to know the Word of God. It's possible to have a PhD in some part of of the Word of God. It's possible to know the Bible headwise, inside out, and yet refuse to come to Jesus. J.C. Ryle says these verses teach us that there may be knowledge of scripture in the head while there is no grace in the heart mark says ryle how king herod sends to inquire of the priests and elders where christ would be born mark what a ready answer they return him and what an acquaintance with the letter of scripture they show but they the scholars never went to bethlehem to seek for the coming savior but the Magi, with a, with a menacing push in the back from, from Herod, they go to, to Bethlehem to seek out Jesus because they want to worship him. In verses 7 and 8, uh, we see that Herod puts on this show that he wants to worship Jesus as well. Uh, but we know that uh, he has no intention of worshiping Jesus. He is determined to destroy Jesus. And you can see how determined he was towards the end of, of chapter 3, but we're not going there today. So we see Herod's response to Jesus. Jesus, as far as he's concerned, is an unwelcome king. He doesn't want him. We see how the wise men uh, are led to Jesus through this unidentified star. Uh, they're unexpected visitors who come and who are saying that they want to worship Christ. And the final thing uh, today is that they give unreserved worship. Verse 9, after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went on ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, and of incense and of myrrh. So the Magi, they follow the star. They, they follow the word of God. And they are led to the place in Bethlehem where Jesus was. And they worship him. Likely he's two years old now. 
toddler and the wise men they gather around this wee child and they they worship him and we're told in isaiah there was nothing nothing remarkable about the way that jesus looked there's nothing of great wonder in terms of his humanity that would that would mark him out as, as different to anyone else it's just a baby but they worship him and we're given a a picture here of, of what worship looks like and my time is gone but let me just give you three headings you can go and think about them yourself what should our worship be like according to the wise men our worship should be joyful they're overjoyed verse 10 because they have found jesus it's billy sunday who said if you have no joy in your religion there's a leak in your christianity somewhere worship should be joyful doesn't mean that we should be raising our heads and you know, grinning madly, but there should be a deep joy and it should transmit to our faces in some measure. It should also cause us to open our mouths and sing. And we'll get to that this evening. Worship should be joyful. Worship should be reverent because in verse 11, they bowed down. Just a baby. They're around the, the cradle. They, they bowed down because they recognized that this baby was God. So there was a reverence in their worship that I think often we lack. And the final thing here is that their, their worship was generous. So our worship should be generous. They bring gifts, verse 11. Expensive gifts. Costly gifts. Gold, which spoke about the, the, the fact that Jesus is king. Incense, which uh, spoke about uh, the fact that Jesus is God. And myrrh which pointed forward to the reason that Jesus came. He came to die. They were generous in their gifts because they were thankful that they had found Jesus. Have we found Jesus? Are we thankful that we found Jesus? Are we generous in our worship of Jesus, not just for the hour here, but with our lives? Are we generous in our, our worship of Jesus, this, this child who was born but born to die? Is our worship unreserved? Is our worship worship? Have we come to Christ the King? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, your son. We thank you for the salvation uh, that is offered in him. And we pray that we would take these lessons from the the, the journey and the response of the, the wise men, the Magi, who sought uh, Jesus with all their hearts and who found him. We thank you that that promise is given to us, that those who, who seek the Lord with all their hearts uh, will find him. We pray that you would help us to examine ourselves, uh, to see if there is anything of the spirit of Herod in us, where we shake our fists and say, I don't want a king. I don't want a Lord telling me what to do. If that's within us, Lord, we pray that you would help us to repent and to bow before Christ. And we pray that you would enable us, uh, even in our final singing, but in every breath that we are given, help us to worship Jesus. Help us to sing uh, with sincerity. Uh, my heart is filled with thankfulness uh, for him, the one to whom we caused pain on Calvary, the one who plumbed the depths of the disgrace of our sin so that we could be saved. Help us, we pray, to receive that salvation, to 
accept that grace and to respond with unreserved worship that we would give our lives, our hearts, our all to love and to follow Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the fellowship of God the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen.